Thank you all for tuning in to the AFT Construction Podcast today. We are super fortunate to bring on John Brinkus, who formerly did sports science with ESPN and now is involved in a lot of other TV production and nutritional companies. And we brought John on because he has a lot of experience in entrepreneurship, TV production, and really gave a lot of good insight about how we can evolve our businesses, how we can bop and weave throughout the industries and change as media changes, as TV changes, gave some great advice, business advice, especially for any of you that are looking to be an entrepreneur. He spoke about this and gave some great points, so definitely listen. And a little background on John, he's a six-time Emmy Award winning creator, host and producer of Sports Science, New York Times best-selling author of The Perfection Point. He's involved in TV and film, and then he also has his own podcast, The Brink of Midnight. He's a motivational speaker and a musician, so super talented in many industries. You'll definitely enjoy this one. And as a side note, we were on vacation this week actually as a family. And thanks to John for working around that schedule so I could get up early in the morning, record while the kids and family were sleeping, and we could get this recorded remotely. So definitely enjoy. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. This is Brad Levitt, and we're excited to bring on John Brinkus. So welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me. And many of you know John, but for those of you that don't, let me give you a quick background. So John is a six-time Emmy Award winner. He's host and creator of ESPN Sports Science, a New York Times bestselling author of The Perfect, the Perfection Point, and then he's also co-founder of Combine Nutrition. So the reason we want to bring John on is to really speak about entrepreneurship and especially how TV production has affected his career. So John, let's kick it off there. What advice would you give to a young entrepreneur? What's interesting is when I was young, I did an independent study with Steven uh, Soderbergh, who had done Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Um, he had finished a second movie called Kafka, and I asked him a very similar question. I said, you know, what could I do to get into the entertainment is- industry? I want to make movies. I want to make TV shows. You know, wh- what do I do? And his advice to me then is the same advice that I give to people now, which is learn to do everything yourself. Learn how to shoot learn how to write, learn how to direct, learn how to edit, learn everything. And when people say, well, how do I do that? When I was learning to do it, you know, it's in, it was in the 1980s, 1990s. There was no such thing as YouTube. Like I actually had to seek out individuals, you know, in companies. And now there's so much great information just available on YouTube, on tutorials. You know, it's all about having being willing to teach yourself by looking up as many resources as you can and really just going for it you know the thing that stops people from being creative and in, in creating is they they overthink it um I, I like to think and i like to say look you never know what song what movie what screenplay what tv show what video clip uh people are going to really like you have to hone your own craft, create your own voice by simply doing it. Just don't sit around thinking. So, so John, that's really interesting, the point you made, because, you know, nowadays with YouTube, you know, anyone can get on an indie industry and really, you know, get a quick education on, on their career, right, on, on what they're doing. But for you back in the 80s, you know, was this a passion you always had, TV production? Did you take classes in school? I mean, how did you learn how to do this yourself at that time and period? Yeah, you know, back when I was interested in getting involved in entertainment, um, I did. I, you know, sought out classes. I sought out professionals. You know, I, I 
just went down, you know, I interned at video houses. Um, and most importantly, I just figured out a way to get my hands on gear. Um, and I literally learned mostly by trial and error. Um, you know, we, our production company originally started in the DC area and we were the first company to have, um, an avid, which now everybody has on their laptop and is sort of the industry standard. Um, it's a nonlinear digital editing, uh, system, but we were the first ones to have it in the DC market. And really there wasn't anybody to truly teach me how to use it. Cause I was the first one who had it. So I had to just go through every single drop down menu and try and just figure it out. And I, the power of just figuring things out is amazing. And that really is sort of what, what creates the difference. So yes, there are people, there are tutorials, there are books, there are resources that tell you how to do something, but you're going to develop your own way. You're going to develop your own shortcuts, your own technique, um, everything. So it's really about just putting forth um, your own effort. And that's what I did, you know, when I was learning is really it's, it's trial by fire. You just figure it out, you know, make a bunch of mistakes and, you know, develop your voice and try not to make mistakes moving forward. So do you feel that that's something that can be taught? Because I mean, what you're alluding to, I mean, to be an entrepreneur, there's a lot of hard work and some people think that this happens overnight or it's just going to come to them. Um, and, and so it's a two part question. I mean, we all know that it's hard work, but I mean, what, you know, is this something that can be taught or do you feel that's more innate in someone to be an entrepreneur? There are obviously different personality types and there are sort of different levels of risk that people are willing to take. Being an entrepreneur and starting a business, especially when it's your first business, it is, it's exhilarating, it's frightening, you know, there is no exact playbook for it and it's bold. I mean, you got to be willing to you know, put yourself and your product out there. And, and it, it, to a lot of people can be scary. Not, I, I would say that being an entrepreneur is not for everybody in terms of creating a, 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 a true business. That's a business that you own. It's not for everybody, but you know, one way that I like to think about, um, entrepreneurship is everyone is running their own company, which is, you know, I'm John Brinkus Inc. You know, like I'm running my own business as a person, whether or not I'm owning a particular business or doing something, I need to own my life and manage my own life. And in that way, we're all business owners um, and we need to take ownership of something. And that, you know, that by itself is a is a massive endeavor. This is fascinating. So you're almost getting into a little bit more, I, I would say, a global look at this where you're saying, look, look at yourself. You're you're managing yourself. You're managing you know, your own mentality and your situation. And then what you've done is you've kind of applied that to business. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, you know, there's a great argument about, you know, are you an employee or are you an owner? You know, even if you're an employee working for something, you got to own your work, own your department, own your mission, you know, own your own life. That, like it, I, I like to say, have an owner's mentality toward everything. You know, even if you're technically an employee, I mean, I think even when you own your own business, you're an employee of your clients. So, but if you have that ownership mentality of, I am responsible for me, I'm responsible for those who are around me, you know, for my dependents. And I really need to look at everything in terms of making good decisions, practicing, um, you know, positive energy, and just really just focusing on running your life, your career, 
your everything as though you are you are an owner of it. And that's, you know, a lot of people tend to be passive um, and are simply in the state of mind of, well, someone told me to do something and I'm going to do it. And it might be a bit passionless. You know, be passionate, whatever it is that you're doing. If you that passion will drive you to success. I love that, John. And I think we could probably spend a whole nother conversation on this topic, right? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of food for thought for anyone listening. So, you know, in your careers, you've, you know, you were taught, okay, learn everything, learn production, you know, learn audio, filming, all these things. So how, how did that evolve to the opportunity you had with sports science? You know, how did that opportunity come to fruition? And was it always intended that you'd be the host and write your own little production segment? Yeah. I mean, that, absolutely was never the intention you know becoming the host of sports science even sports science itself was never sort of the original vision my original vision um was i'm going to make movies i'm going to be a big movie director and you know write screenplays and you know make big features and you know i made a couple feature films early in my life um and they did you know they went to festivals and they did well and they got distribution and you know it what, what i ended up learning from that is man, movie making takes a long time. And <laughs> it's really hard to make money off of it, even if it's a decent movie, like even if it gets distribution and, you know, we got lots of sort of accolades of, wow, these movies are great, but it was really hard to make money. So what we fell into um, after making some movies was we fell into sort, sort of the true entrepreneurial aspect of entertainment where we financed a band that got signed to epic uh to epic records we made a thing called cd roms and a lot of the audience probably doesn't remember this but <laughs> cd roms were yep. you know discs you would put in your computer as a cd rom and they would play a game there's a game called mist that was big and we made some cd rom games and we made some documentaries where uh, tom clancy was our host for a world war ii uh 50th anniversary of vj day um and we made, and we just really sort of cast the net wide, and we're making a lot of different projects. That that led us to, and because of this sort of the success in terms of craftsmanship of the feature films that we had, and of the other ventures uh, that we took on, we we got noticed in the DC market, and we started making sport TV with the Washington Wizards and Washington Capitals, and that expanded to you know, doing work with other teams around the country. And at the same time, the Discovery Channel was launching and they had a network called the Science Channel. And because we had made a couple movies and people knew who we were in the area, we were recruited by Discovery to make kick-ass science programming. So we were making the Young Scientist Challenge. We did the first live interactive science show. It was called Science Live. So our production company uh, became divided into two divisions, a sports division and a science division. And then we ended up putting those two things together in a show called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts, which looked at the science behind martial arts. We had Tom Cruise in it. He did the raps for us into The Last Samurai. Then that show was so successful, uh, National Geographic came along and said, we want you to do XMA for us, but science it up. So we made a show called Fight Science, and we brought in uh, the only federally certified crash test dummy um, used in car crashes to measure the force generated by all the different styles of martial arts. So we had the world's greatest martial artists come into the lab, punch and kick the crap out of a crash test dummy, 
And that was sort of the punch heard around the entertainment world because it was top 10 of all time on National Geographic, Fox, um, National Geographic, and they also in Fox Sports. They played fight science opposite the original Eli Manning versus Peyton Manning Sunday night football game. It was their <laughs> third highest rated program at the, t- at the time. They're like, oh, my God, people love this stuff. What else do you have? We said, well, we're going to take that fight science approach and apply it to every sport and call it sports science. And we owned the show when we were pitching the show to Fox Sports. And the GM at the time said, you know what? I love it. Who are you going to get to host it? And I'm the one who's pitching the show. And we, and we, our production company, we were owning the show and licensing it to Fox. And I said, look, if you guys want to pay for some host, go for it. You know, like, I, I'm not going to pay for a host. And the GM was like, well, why don't you host it? You're, I love the way you pitch the show. You can host it. And you're an incredibly average size human being. And you can be used as sort of a, you know, sort of a comparison uh, against the world's greatest athletes. And I'm like, sounds, sounds cool to me. If, if <laughs> I, you know, if I'm not good at it, I will uh, I'll fire myself because I never intended on being the host. So I became the host and then we ran for three years on or two seasons on Fox and won three Emmys and then ESPN came along and bought us and we were on ESPN and we did 1800 episodes of that. And, you know, it ran for a very long time and, you know, it just kind of, it, it's kind of a perfect example of, I had never planned on being the host, but I was certainly capable uh, of doing it because I knew the subject matter so well. And my whole life, I taught myself how to do every aspect. So becoming the host of a show was something that I taught myself by the mere fact is I had worked with so many other hosts um, that I kind of like was learning on the job without even knowing it. So it, it just all kind of worked out. Um, and uh, it was it is, it's been something that's been incredible. And I'm incredibly grateful. But it's funny when everyone's like, you know, how did you become the host? I mean, literally, it's I pitched the show. The GM liked me and I became the host. And fortunately, I was good enough at it that, you know, ESPN wanted to keep me as the host. So um, it worked out. That's amazing, John. What's what's interesting, I was taking some notes as you're, you know, talking about this story. And what fascinates me is you, you made some interesting points. You said you knew the subject matter. And, and it's interesting. In, in my careers, I've networked with professionals that are very successful. And, you know, you hear people say, well, I'm, I'm afraid to do public speaking or, you know, I'm nervous to be in front of a crowd or maybe like someone such as yourself to be in front of the camera. You, you made a comment. You said you knew the subject matter. And, and what's been told to me over and over by all these professionals, they say, if you know the product, if you know the topic, if you know the subject, you won't be nervous. You can stand up with confidence and really ingrain, you know, your understanding of that, whether it be in front of the camera or in front of an audience. And that's really what you alluded to. And then you spoke about how your business has evolved. A lot of us may have a game plan of our career or our business, but as certain opportunities present themselves and as we've been educated and, and really become a sponge in the industry we're in, you know, your business can evolve and you'll be ready for that. And, and really you seize that opportunity because of just what you're alluding to, to learn everything you can about every system. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Mike Tyson has a great quote of everybody has a plan until he gets yep. punched in the face. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I love that. That's pretty it's pretty much how life goes, right? It's like, hey, I want to be a movie director. And you come out with a couple movies and they don't make any money and you've wasted, you know, five years of your life seemingly. And you're like, wow, now what do I do? 
And you take the sort of lessons of like, well, I was honing my craft of storytelling, of editing, of writing, of directing. I can apply it to another medium like television that, you know, has a much faster turnover rate. Um, so you could actually make a living at it and go down that path. And sort of that pivot is something that you need to be able to do constantly in your life. If, you know, you think about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan used to, you know, go to the rim and, you know, all kinds of creative ways. And then, you know, one summer he's like, you know, I need to develop a fadeaway, you know, a fadeaway jump shot because I'm not going to be able to go to the rim all the time. I'm going to have to change it up. And as you're like bolting together different facets of your life and your game and your, you know, sort of your business plan, you, you, you have to be nimble. And that's, you know, if you look at rock bands and artists and, you know, politicians, business, you know, businesses, they're able to bob and weave and change. Um, and really the consistency is being their best. And, you know, I try to be the best version of myself all the time. And sometimes the best version of myself doesn't measure up to the market. It's just not good enough. But when you hit those pockets where your best is good enough to stand out in the market, that's where you really find magic. Well, well, that's interesting. I think, you know, there's that saying, you know, if you're not changing, you're obsolete. And really what you're alluding to is, you know, even as an athlete, they have to evolve over their careers, their body changes and skill set, you know, can be refined. And then, you know, with business, we have to evolve because look at today. I mean, you know, in the 80s, you didn't have social media, right? And look at it as today and you have to be able to leverage that. So what what are some other things you learned in your production career at ESPN, you know, and, you know, that kind of have helped you catapult your career to where it is now? You know, the, the entertainment world is changing by the second. You know, when I started out in the 80s and the 90s, selling a TV show was, it was, it was really hard. I mean, you, you had to somehow make demo materials. So you had to get a camera and you had to get decks and editing equipment and all kinds of stuff that, simply wasn't just immediately available you know it was really hard you had a few cable channels and you know the big networks and you had to know somebody you had to get in and it was really hard to get your work to be seen as we've gone along you know i can remember not too long ago these streaming services coming online and people are like ah you know netflix is this you know is never going to be able to compete with something like mtv you know and you like think about how now we have all of these streaming services. We have, you know, obviously, you know, sort of YouTube and the, the various iterations of it. And you have different apps and you have peer-to-peer -peer broadcasting. And it's like you don't even need anything other than a phone to make something amazing. And it's changing so fast that not only is the way we're consuming media changing, but the way you make money in media is changing. It's, it's just a, it's a fascinating time. Um, and it's evolving so quickly. It was fairly stagnant until, you know, about the, you know, late 90s. And when the late 90s came along, it, you could feel the change coming. And then by the time 2010 hit, you could really read the writing on the walls. And then the last decade, the whole entertainment industry has just completely changed. So it's pretty fascinating. It is, and it's interesting to see these companies you do research on, and they're trying to figure out how to make a, a, a statement in the industry because, you know, cable TV has completely changed with the millennials and the cost, and, you know, 
each channel that you have to pay for that for like DirecTV, for example, whereas, you know, you, you know, Netflix has conquered, right? They've taken over. Now they're making full on production movies that they want nominated for the Oscars, right? That, I mean, it, who would have guessed that as we're renting DVDs from Netflix that fast forward 10 years that they'd be in the conversation for best picture, right? Yeah. So, so, so with that TV experience, I mean, John, what are you doing now? Well, how has your career kind of changed and evolved with the industry Tell us about some things that you're doing right now. Yeah, I've really, you know, been able to, I've been very fortunate to create an, um, you know, a, a niche for myself uh, of the human performance space. So, you know, I'm continuing to do the sports science kind of stuff. You know, I've done stuff with the NFL directly, the UFC, the Premier Lacrosse League, NBC, um, you know, and I'm now just continuing to raise the bar. I have a great contract with Intel where we're creating alternative real um, alternative reality programming that's taking sort of sports science to the next level called soul and science um, you know started a, a great nutrition company called uh, combine nutrition um, incredible protein products um, you know and I have lots of different ventures that are sort of branching off in the um, space of human performance I've partnered up with a um, company called Killcliff that's the, a clean energy drink company, you know, drinks like Red Bull and Monster are just terrible for you. And mm -hmm. Kilcliffe is just an amazingly healthy energy drink, you know, all natural, nothing fake, nothing artificial. Um, so I'm really, you know, I've been very blessed to be able to do endorsement campaigns with Ford and Toyota and Nike and, you know, the biggest of the big companies and also, um, you know, help other companies that are uh, starting out. So kind of a serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur who's been, able to uh pick a specialty that that people can relate to well i know you're sensitive about time but i do want to ask you this john so i mean with with the nutrition side of things as you've gotten into kind of this this movement what was that something you've always kind of lived a healthy lifestyle or were you really exposed to that right. in your work at espn you know a little bit of both you know i've i've always lived a pretty healthy lifestyle i mean i don't drink alcohol i don't drink caffeine um you know i'm a you know, i've always been um, a pretty healthy person. I really got into endurance sports and endurance events, um, you know, when I was in my 20s. And now, obviously, uh, with sports science and other projects, I've really been exposed to, I want to say, one of everything, one of every kind of device, one of every kind of diet, one of every kind of supplement. Um, and I've really been able to develop a, a discerning eye toward what is real and what is not. Um, so I really want to help communicate to the market. Here are the things um, that are worth your time um, you know, and your thought, and here are the things to sort of stay away from. That's fascinating, and I think what's really neat is you alluded to it. I mean, you say you don't drink caffeine, but yeah, you have a um, an energy drink, right? So you're getting into really things that are a lot healthier and more sustainable to your body uh, to allow yeah. performance. Yeah, exactly. I don't have any synthetic caffeine. Like I can have like green tea caffeine um, but, you know, the synthetic kind of caffeine um, that's in some drinks is just just doesn't work with my system. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting how, you know, clean energy, eating well, you know, exercising and, you know, really living a good life is that's that's really the key. There's you can't really ask for much more. Well, I, I, I know you preach it and you live it because we've met and, and you exude that. I remember in our meeting, you had talked about that and you just see it in the lifestyle you live in. So I commend you on that, John, because I think that's uh, that's something we need a lot more of today is that education. And so for, for those of our listeners that are, are, you know, that follow you and for those that don't, where can they find you? 
Yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter. I'm at John Brinkus, J-O-H-N-B-R-E-N-K-U-S underscore. Um, so I'm on Twitter, and you can also just go to my website at johnbrinkus.com. Um, you know, shoot me an email, you know, shoot me a message. You know, I'm always willing to, you know, help people out and, and give advice and see if there's any way that uh, I can contribute to someone's success. Well, we appreciate it, John. Thank you so much for making time and joining us today. Awesome. really appreciate it. A big thanks to John for making time to come on the podcast despite his uh, busy schedule. And in the episode, you heard us speak about Combine Nutrition. And we're going to bring on Michael Pinky, who's the partner in Combine Nutrition. And we're going to speak a lot more about the conversation we had with John and really evolve this conversation of entrepreneurship, business, networking, marketing, and how that can evolve your business uh, into what they're doing now, Combine Nutrition. So great insight that Michael will give. And we're excited to bring him on. So definitely stay tuned for the continuation next week.